We're so excited to spend some time with you today on the Awakening Moments podcast. My name is Lori. And I am Rhonda. And it's our hope that you would feel like we are with you wherever you are right now, having a real life conversation about life in all its beauty and in all its mess. We believe that God wants to open our eyes to an awakening moment that will help us thrive in every part of our being. So we invite you on this adventure with us as we listen, learn, and grow together. Well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked about the prodigal son story at church. And it's one of my favorite parables in the Bible. You know, it's funny because it's called the lost son. But really, it's about two lost sons, mm-hmm. really, which is is so, so interesting. And Timothy Keller did probably one of the greatest teachings that I had ever heard many, many years ago about the prodigal son and really focused on the lostness of the older son, you know, the older brother and um, and and just how his response to the, the whole story really showed that he didn't have a love for the father either. Um, but I thought it might be interesting to talk about it and, you know, I'm going to make the assumption that, you know, most people have read the story. And if you haven't, you can take some time if you want to and go and read the story in the Gospels. Um, it's in a couple of the Gospels. And um, and it really is. It's a powerful, powerful parable, um, a short story that the Lord, uh, that Jesus tells, you know, to try to give us a, a perspective on God the Father, God as Father, and um, and also two different sons and two different responses to the father and to the relationship with the father and how, you know, we can be either of those. And there's so many lessons and there's so many things to pull from this incredible story. You know, a couple of highlights for me, um, you know, even as we unpacked it just a couple of weeks ago was, you know, even talking about the father himself, recognizing it's Jesus that's telling the story. And Jesus is a son. Jesus actually represents the perfect son who's telling this story about a father. And even as fathers, you know, you're before you're a father, you're a son first, right? And here's Jesus, the perfect example, um, who came and only did what he saw the father doing, only did in complete obedience and submission to his father, and fulfilled this role of the perfect son on behalf of all of us. And I remember a couple of weeks ago um, on the podcast, Rhonda, you and I were talking about our own earthly fathers and just the reality that, you know, even in our natural relationships, that there are gaps, gaps that only the perfect father, the good, good father can fill for us and fulfill for us. And I think that's a beautiful space for any of those wounds that have happened in our earthly relationships for, you know, God, the father, the perfect father uh, can fulfill in us. But of course we see, you know, the first son and um, he comes to the father and he asks, you know, I want my inheritance. I want the full inheritance of what is owed to me, which again, even the ask itself is so, um, so painful and so hurtful because an inheritance is given when someone has passed, when someone has died. And so, you know, it is almost as though this son is coming and saying, you know, I wish you were dead. Um, and you know, can you give me what's owed to me as if you were dead? Um, and I will no longer have any relationship with you. I want to go and I want to make my own way and I want to do my own thing with what is owed to me in the future. And, oh, just that's such a painful reality. 
But yet, how often can we fall into that same mindset? You know, how often can we actually live out our lives and think like, I'm entitled to this. Why hasn't this happened for me? I look around to my, you know, my brother, my sister, you know, the person down the street, the person next door, the promotion that's happening. You know, why is that person getting married and having this perfect family? Why is that person got to buy their first house and got their nice car and got their promotion at work and, you know, have, have all of these good things happening and I don't have anything yet. And we can sometimes do this in our relationship with, well, not sometimes, a lot, do this in our relationship with God. God, you're holding out on me. You're holding out on me. Like where, where are all these blessings that your word talks about? Where Where's all this provision that your word talks about? Where are all these miracles that, you know, so-and-so is talking about is happening? How come I don't get any? This is the attitude sometimes we have, you know, in our relationship with God and this entitlement sort of that we bring into our spiritual life. Like God owes me, you know, or I've served God faithfully my whole life. I've, you know, like the older brother, I've done everything right. I've followed all the rules. I've worshiped God. I've gone to church every Sunday. I've even tithed. You know, I've given, God, why are you holding out on me? Why are you holding out on me? And again, we bring these mindsets into our relationship with God and they can be so, so, so damaging, so damaging. But what we see in this story is really both of the sons truly didn't know the father, like know the heart of the father. And when we don't know the heart of our father, our heavenly father, we can bring these attitudes in our relationship with God. And the enemy loves this. He just robs us left, right, and center, you know, in the midst of these attitudes. So for you, what what stands out for you about the parable of the lost son? Or, you know, which son do you identify with? You can take it really in any direction you want. I know I did a long rant there, Rhonda, but go for it. I love it. You know, I every time I've read this story, there's a lot of focus on the lost son and the father, like that reuniting. And it's so emotional. Like when you read the story and you you picture it, like we've seen, I've seen some videos made of this story and I'm weeping every time of the lavish love, like the love the, the father is love. looking for him. Like yeah. he literally, and you think how many times did... The, did this father go to that path and look out? Like how many times was he just staring and waiting, hoping to see that figure coming of his son? Like his heart ached for his son and he ran to his son. It's such a beautiful image of the tenderness of God. And I have loved that. And I've, I, it's such a beautiful revelation. However, in putting myself in the story, I mean, I definitely identify with the elder brother. And the part of it is, it's a part of myself I can't stand. And I can say I can't stand it because I can't stand it. It's like when Paul talks about, I hate, I do the things I don't want to do, like this body of death, the flesh. It's the judgmental criticism side that Mm. I can be so critical. I can be so judgmental. You may not see it on the outside, but the way my brain is thinking or my heart, like, oh, well, you know, picking something apart or being judgmental of someone or critical of someone, that is exactly the spirit of what the older brother had. And like you said, was just as lost, but he wasn't repentive. Like the younger son saw the error of his rebellion, ended up being like, I better go back to my father's house. Like here, I'm in a den of pigs. Like I'm eat, I ate better. My servants eat better with my father. And here I am in a den of pigs. I'm going to go back. And he doesn't even have time to finish his full repentance. And the father's also bringing on a celebration like the embracing of the father, he starts to repent. And it's such a short portion. He doesn't even tell the whole story. He just says, oh, you know, I'm not even worthy. And right away, the father just lavishes the ring. Go get a ring. Go clothe my son. He won't even let him grovel. He's like, 
you've acknowledged you're here. You've acknowledged it's my turn to lavish and he lavishes, but the older son becomes so bitter and you don't see any movement, the restoration of restoration or repentance. And I think, you know, that's more grievous. God's not saying like the rebellion, rebellious son was worse or they are both sin. They were both caught in sin that they needed to know the father and be redeemed by the father. But the older son, there's no moment here. You've seen his story of repentance and because you can easily self-justify, you can sit in a seat of self-righteousness of, well, I know better, or I've been a Christian longer, or I can't believe, honestly, we become judge. And that is a scary thing. And I've been there. I've been there and I still find myself. That's an area that I have to complete where I think I'm better than somebody else. Like where, where do that? That's just stinking flesh. And that's just sin. That is sin. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned, me included. And I think as soon as I get into that place of self-righteousness and criticism or even feeling better or feeling like I want to withhold from someone else because they haven't actually earned that place to have my grace, what in the world? How many parables has God even spoken about when we don't forgive others, he won't forgive us? That story of that, I think skipping to another parable of the story of the servant who is forgiven much and then goes back and doesn't even forgive his own servant's debt. Oh my goodness. This is where that criticism, judgmental that we see in that older brother, that is where it starts. It's like, I receive this from God, but I'm not going to extend that. Like, look at, even the father says to him, like right away, all I have is yours. Look, you've always stayed by my side. He's affirming. I see your loyalty. I see your dedication, but can't you be happy for your brother? Like, what is that in you that it's about you? The brother places himself it's about him, selfishness, pride, looking for a validation of look what I've done. So it really is where I find myself. When I find myself in a really rough patch, emotionally, spiritually, it comes right back to that stuff. All that stinky flesh stuff of needing to feel validated or like God owes me. I've been, you know, he's withheld from me. Oh my goodness. No joy, no thankfulness, no eyes of joy to see what God is doing or in someone else's life to truly, I can't stand that part of myself. And what do I do with it? We can't just get over, like in the sense, defeat sin once and for all. There will be a day. There will be a day that all will be redeemed and we'll stand before the Lord fully in heaven. The flesh will have fully been over. It's over. But in our world, in this time, it's a fight against flesh and spirit. So what we have to do is run to the cross. We cannot do that on our own. I cannot be good enough. I can't defeat that by perfectionism, striving. I cannot. And that's what we see even through all the Pharisees. They were abiding by the law. They were looking on the outward, but God sees the heart and only what can change our heart is God. It even says in like, I love that some take out my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh saying to God, like you need to take my heart and transfer, creating me a clean heart. Oh God, like David crying out, we need the Holy spirit to do this work. This is supernatural. So when I feel critical, when I feel judgmental, my greatest prayer is Holy Spirit, show me fast because this will lead me down a path that is of death. It will bear no good fruit. I will be robbed from joining in joy. I'll be robbed from even celebrating a journey. I'll be robbed from even the beautiful way you want to move in and through my life, how you want me even to be inspired by someone or some, an experience 
that I've got to humble myself. So Holy Spirit, show me that I can surrender. And even if I feel it, I can move in the opposite spirit. Because you know what? Sometimes, to be honest, sometimes the feelings don't go away. Sometimes you're put in a position and it's a test the Lord puts you in. And you may not feel all of a sudden super joyful. There could be something like you've been wanting your whole life or praying and desiring. And it happens for someone with such ease. And you've been, we've been toiling for it. I've had different situations like that in my own life. And you don't always feel the joy or feel that, but you know what, what happens is you move in the opposite spirit. You start to say, you start to act. And is it about being fake? No, but it's about speaking to your flesh. Just be like, get out of here. I don't care that you're speaking to me loud. You are going to be silenced and I'm going to speak in my spirit and I'm going to speak these words like I'm pulling my spirit to align to what I know the Holy Spirit's telling me to do. We cannot always be led by what we feel. And it's not about being fake. We're saying that even we have to speak to our spirit man. And sometimes and many times in circumstances, I have to say, I'm going to speak these words. I'm going to sow generously. I'm going to do this in the opposite way, despite what I feel, because I know the Holy Spirit. This is the right thing. He's asking me to please God. That's how you crucify your flesh. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. No, that is that that's profound. It reminds me, you know, the story of the older brother reminds me of a couple other stories um, that Jesus told, you know, he told this other parable about a son who, uh, or not sons, two, two servants who he said, um, I'm going to send you to work. And one said, okay, and didn't go. Um, And the other one said no, but then afterwards, after a little while ended up going. And then Jesus asked the question, who followed? Like who did the right thing? And of course, everybody said, well, the one who said no, but then eventually went. And we see the older brother and the older brother is the one who said yes, but didn't, didn't actually do it. And I think sometimes, you know, there's another story where that Jesus told about the, uh, the tax collector and the um, Pharisee, and they're both at the altar. Uh, And the one is, you know, just weeping and repenting and the Pharisee is standing up there and praying this prayer out loud. Thank God I'm not like this sinner beside me. And again, this is the older brother mindset. And this is exactly what you're talking about. This is what, you know, when, for whatever reason, when we seem to be in faith for some time, this self-righteous spirit seems to want to take hold of us that somehow we feel like the longer we serve the Lord and the more faithful we are to follow in his ways, that somehow that gives us some sort of right of inheritance instead of realizing and recognizing that actually our inheritance is by grace alone. Like our inheritance isn't by any right of following or following rules. Like it didn't come by the law. In fact, the law was there to show us that we actually can't follow all of the law. We actually can't earn the in, the inheritance that the Father has given us. It is by grace and grace alone. And, you know, for myself, I, I agree with you. Like I can fall into that without even like without even realizing, like, it's like it can, you can slip into this mindset so easily, this mindset of thank God, I'm not like so-and-so, you know, and the brother, basically, I know, I know this story is about a story about jealousy, was jealous that, you know, the father had never thrown a party for him like that. But basically, that's what the brother's saying. Thank God, 
I'm not like this useless brother who went and squandered all like, thank God I'm not like him. And that mindset every single time is going to get us into trouble and is actually going to sow such, um, like gross, like just Mm -hmm. everything that's gross and dark in our hearts. And, um, you know, in church, sometimes we see this, I don't know, this focus on the external. It's like, as long as people can look like they're following Jesus well, like we seem to feel comfortable with that. But anytime that somebody shows up and maybe they're not doing it exactly as you think that they should, on the outside, externally, like when you can recognize or see something, all of a sudden we feel like we have this right to judge. And like, I just feel like nobody knows the heart. You know, we look across church and sometimes this like makes me so, this gets me so fired up sometimes and so upset sometimes, but we look across church and you see, you know, people, tons of people with their hands raised and nobody knows what happened that morning, the night before. No one knows if they were clicking on porn or, you know, literally abusing their spouse or, I mean, I know I'm, I might be saying even or thinking extreme things. They, they could be recovering from a hangover. Like we don't know what's happening. They could be sowing such bitterness in their heart and anger against somebody, a brother that's in the same room, but their eyes are closed and their hands are up. And we look over and we think, oh, like they just love God so much because of something we see on the outside. And there could be somebody else and they're not singing and their head is down and they look forlorn and they look discouraged and depressed and down. And, and when we look at them, we don't see any life but they could actually be because of their heart before the Lord and only God knows the heart closer to God in that moment because they're genuinely owning the state of the true state of their heart and repentance, you know, in that same space. So again, it just, it upsets me so much in church because a lot of people struggle with even wanting to be a part of a church, a church family, because they feel judged. They feel this. We hold everybody to these, you know, standards that are largely externally based, (laughs) not actually heart based because nobody really knows the state of the heart. Now, again, you and I have had lots of conversations about fruit. So yes, the fruit of our lives are going to show kind of what's on the inside. Eventually that does come out. But I just, I, I so, I'm so with you that I want to lay any older brother tendencies that I have, any tendencies that I have that like when I'm looking at people that I want to judge them based on what I see by the outside. The reality is I want to look at everybody and myself that we're all broken. We're all fallen. I don't care how long you've been serving God. I don't care how perfectly you, you think you do it. We're all broken before the Lord. And, you know, I don't want to be a respecter of persons. I don't want to treat people differently based on where they are at at the journey. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. all of these things, I think, come into church life, our relationship with God, how we treat one another, self-righteousness, all of this that we're talking about today. And really, it's all older brother syndrome. And we can all fall so prey to it. I know I can fall prey to it, too. I'm going to take a minute and just talk about 
it from the perspective of a parent, because even as a mom, you know, sometimes I can hold my kids to a certain standard. Um, what I want to see. I just think it should be this way. This is the right way. And this is what I want to see. And as long as you do it this way, then I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. But the truth is when I stop for a minute and I just slow down and I actually have conversations with my kids and I try to really understand what's going on in their heart space, sometimes I realize, oh my goodness, like this, what's happening externally is actually not at all what I thought it was because what's happening in the heart space, there's something really there that we need to go and deal with and talk about and pray about and give to the Lord. And sometimes I just want to fix it externally. Like don't bot, like I don't, you know what I mean? Like I just want this outside to get mm-hmm. fixed. Stop. Like, I don't want to hear that attitude. I don't want you to talk like that. Um, I don't want you to act that, like that. Be more responsible, da, 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 right? And I just want to deal with it on the outside. But when we take the time to actually like deal with what's happening in the heart space, it's the space where then we can begin to recognize, okay, for some, sometimes there's an older brother syndrome that's creeping in. And other times there's the rebellion of the lost son that's creeping in there that we have to go and then together we have to pray through and we have to deal with because actually the external stuff really that is way less important than what's happening in the heart space. But that takes more time. It takes more effort. And I need the Holy Spirit to remind me and to help me to say, no, 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 don't, <laughs> don't just like sweep it under the carpet and say, fix these outside things. I don't want you to dye your hair purple. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? It's not about what it appears on the outside. No, let's deal with what's happening in the heart space. Let's go there. Let's have a conversation there. Let's see if, you know, they're ready to, to dive into what's really, really going on. And I think that, you know, if we can love people that way, all of us as part of the body of Christ, I think that's when we can really get into, you know, when one mourns, we mourn with them. When one is rejoicing, we can rejoice together, which is really what the the body of Christ is meant to be instead of just accepting external judgment. That is so powerful. I know even as, yeah, as a parent, well, this tested all the time. Oh, (laughs) yeah. But God brings difficult people. We used to call them grace growers. I'm probably a grace grower when someone else is like, (laughs) we could be grace growers for others. But God allows, I forget who called it grace growers, but it's such a good yeah. term because. I think it was Graham Cook. <laughs> was it? I think it was all the way back when <gasps> oh, Graham Cook. Because yeah. it's always stuck with me, grace growers, because really, if we don't have people in our lives that are really challenging us, yeah. or we're in environments that are really different than what we're used to, di- with different, whatever it may be different, whatever that may be to you we really aren't challenged. We could easily set up almost like a false fortress. Like everyone I know thinks like me is in this. And if you're, you're difficult or we don't get, I just catch you. I just cut you out. And that'd be easy for me. Really easy to be like, you're difficult. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Drama. No. Yeah. Versus allowing myself to be challenged because that is what's rubbing the, that flesh part of me. It's easy to be around people that think the same like me that are easy to get along with. But as soon as I have a grace grower, you know, I had a neighbor that was very difficult and it was a very difficult neighbor. And I mean, difficult in our entire neighbor, a hood, like it was a very unique situation. And, uh, this person just didn't seem to even want to have a relationship with anyone, but you know, Jay, really, God gave him such a heart for this neighbor and just really began to pray for this neighbor. And there's no big story that came out of it. There was nothing. And Jay did some stuff that was never acknowledged or that's fine. 
But I just think of those years of just sometimes being in the back and being so agitated that I don't even know if I opened up my heart to even be open to, to reach out or to do something kind. I have to say my Jay did, not me. And not as much, I would get so agitated with so many things this person was doing just to tick every neighbor off. The person ended up moving. And I think we actually had a celebration on the whole street. Like the whole place erupted with joy. <laughs> but all that to say, you know, I actually look back and I think how sad, like in those seasons, I was so caught off by the rudeness and the abruptness and just, uh, you know, I'm not talking about be best friends. We got to have boundaries too. I'm saying like this person was very, not a healthy person, but I actually didn't even think outside of the box, be like, is there what is this person's story? Like, what has this person gone through to be like this? Like what has happened? And God, how can I minister? Maybe it's just pray. Give me a heart. I never actually asked for that. And this person ended up moving away. And I think, you know, did I miss an opportunity there? Like what happened? We can allow even agitation and justified annoyance, like literally to actually skew even a perspective we have on somebody be like, they're a child of God, just like I'm a child of God. Yeah, on the outside, maybe I'm way more pleasant, easy to be around. I don't know what his story is. Has there been extreme trauma? Is there mental health? Is there, what is it? And how, how has God asked me to minister? Like, I didn't have that. And sometimes I, we can, I can allow justifiable things that I can justify my reasons for not reaching out. Like the older brother, like looking at his brother, like he squandered his money. Maybe he was lazy when he was at home. Who knows the story oh, yeah. of resentfulness? Obviously, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of resentfulness mm -hmm. that is built up. But how easily I can buy into that lie that this person deserves it. And I can determine this person deserves my grace more, but this person doesn't. And I kind of determine what the, that is. Isn't that an interesting thing? Oh, yeah. But this father, that wasn't the case. The inheritance was the same. But I, I can actually determine my measurement of what I give and what I don't give, how much I give. But I don't want that from God. I want the full, the full lavishing, but yet I can determine that. And I could easily be, have, be misaligned by how I see a situation and how I perceive it. And then I, I make my own decision on how I'm going to minister in that situation. That's being truthful because if I think of that neighbor, I think God allowed me to live in the backyard for 10 years, close to 10 years for that very reason. And I didn't learn after. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it just kind of. But was just to reveal like something yeah. that's in your heart. Like, look, yeah. look at this. Yeah. yeah pay yeah. attention to this. Yeah. Pay attention. That's really, that's a fascinating concept because like, you know, you think about as we serve the Lord faithfully, like, of course we want to reap the benefit of faithful service of the Lord of, you know, joy and peace and love and, you know, his provision in our lives, you know, our needs met, um, you know, God's blessing and favor over our lives. And so we pray and we, you know, we serve him and we want to receive all of that. But then yet, like, what is the point of receiving that? Is that just for our own gain? No, it's not at all. It's actually to be poured out. In fact, the more that you receive, it's the more that needs to be poured out. But yeah, we can have such a self-centered attitude about it. Like that is so true. And then we decide, oh, this person deserves a large measure of my kindness and my grace and my affirmation and encouragement. But this person really doesn't deserve any at all. Like yeah. I'm in a fully withhold. And in fact, instead, I'm going to pour out some resentment towards them and some bitterness towards them. And, you know, and we, we pick and choose who, you 
you know, even sitting as we're gathering back in church on, on uh, Sundays, you know, I, I was just thinking about how many people are going to be sitting in the seats, you know, in the same room next to each other who over the course of the last year and a half have either like watched each other on Facebook, seen like really opposing views, or maybe even had rifts of relationships, maybe in life groups or just extended relationships where there's been challenges and, and, problems, rejection, pain, and now they're back sitting in the same room together. And they're, you know, in isolation, it's, it's easy, right? You can kind of just stew in your own feelings and stew in whatever's happened and feel self-justified and self-righteous and, you know, kind of sit in that and like wait for somebody else to, you know, come and apologize and see the light and all of that. Like you can sit in that space, but then when you're sitting in the same room with them again, all of a sudden it gets really uncomfortable and Mm. all of a sudden that's brought up, you know, it's brought right kind of to the forefront. You know, we were really challenged a few weeks ago with a story of forgiveness, you know, of, you know, someone who lost their child to a drunk driver and then was faced with having to see that exact person in like a work environment a few months later. Like talk about, like talk about coming face to face with the greatest grief that anyone could ever imagine, but having really to come face to face with like, can I forgive? Am I willing to forgive? And why, like what, why, why would I forgive? Like forgiveness is actually for our freedom. Like it's for our releasing of all of that pain that we can't bring justice to anyways, no matter what it is, no matter how small or big the offense, like our resentment isn't going to bring justice to what has happened. And so there is that, um, there is just that space of like, okay, Lord, like you, you meant this for my good. You meant this for my freedom. Like you, this is not a gift I'm giving to a person who's hurt me. This is a gift that you want to give to me so that I can be free. And, and then I can sit in the same room with that person and not harbor any resentment and not be robbed again and again and again and again. Whereas again, in the story, we see the older brother who is literally, as long as he's going to hold on to this, will be robbed when the father said, everything I have is yours. Every provision, every blessing, it all belongs to you. It's all yours. I want to give it to you. I want to lavish it. But he won't, he won't really be able to receive the joy of that in a space of jealousy, in a space of resentment, in a space of bitterness. And so I just think about all of that through that lens and just how yeah, the enemy really, really wants to take advantage of all of these kinds of things. But yet when we can have this perspective on and really know the character of our father, not what's happened to us brother to brother, not what's happened to us sister to sister, not what's happened to us here on the earthly, but if our perspective is how great the father is, then I think it does elevate us out of, you know, the the situation and the circumstance that we find ourselves and just the wanting to kind of be petty and hold and, you know, hold on to things of the past, things that are going to rob us. Um, we can be elevated to the rich, lavish, lavishness of our heavenly father and all that he wants to bestow on us and the fullness and the greatness of that. And so I think that's part of the the lessons and the learning and, you know, the heart cry that I have to God, like elevate me 
elevate me over my circumstance because the enemy keeps wanting to pull me back down mm. and say, oh, look at what they did. Look at that. Look at what they're posting. Look at this. And da, 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 and pu- wants to pull me back and sow seeds of, you know, resentment, bitterness, division, unforgiveness, you know, bringing up past wounds, old things, you know, perspectives, da, 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 like keeps wanting to bring me in that place. But it's only to rob me. It's only to rob me. Yet the father says, all I have, all I have, I want to give to you. You know, can you receive it? No, not in bitterness. I can't. Mm. Not in resentment. I can't. No, it literally will block the fullness of the lavish love that the Father wants to give us. So, Laura, that is so profound. I love all that you just shared and unpacked. And I just think, even as we're closing up, I, I do love, like, as we're talking about the older brother, the Father's heart here at the very end of this parable, he has already said to his older, to the older brother, All I have is yours. But what the father was longing for was to share in not only the provision, but the joy. Mm. And so that brother, yeah, he had earthly things. Yeah, he had stuff. But the father was inviting him even to be like, I want you to celebrate that intimate place. Like, I want you to celebrate with me. Almost the father saying like, my joy is like, it's, I want you to be a part of that too. And seeing this, like being a part, like, I'm, I'm loving this. So know me in this way as well. Know my joy. See the delight I take in your brother. I want you to be a part of this journey Share with in me. The joy. Share in the joy, not just in my, my possessions, my inheritance, but share in my joy. And as we catch that perspective, we can share in the joy of the kingdom, sharing what God is doing. And it's not about us, but what God is doing in others to share in the joy of the kingdom of what God is doing in the kingdom. Because Lori, as things happen in your life and as God moves you through things, the joy that I can have through the Father in celebrating what God is doing in you, I can have kingdom joy. Even if it's the very same thing I've been crying out for, yeah, it's part of kingdom joy. So whether right. it's happening in my heart, whether it's happening in your heart, whether it's part of a family joy, a kingdom joy. So if we can capture that collective kingdom joy, so it's almost God saying like, the father saying like, as your brother is doing, this is our family joy. Don't miss out because this is part of our intimacy together right. of us doing this together. May we have collective kingdom joy celebrating one another. And that is a perspective that as you advance, I advance as God you have breakthrough in these areas, I can share in that collective joy because our kingdom is collective. Oh yeah. It's all together. Exactly. And we're moving forward all together. I love that. It's part of why it's so powerful when, you know, you sit in an environment where people are speaking prophetic words, even Mm. if they're personal to somebody, Mm. but you're just sitting in the room and you can be so blessed and so edified by the words that are being spoken over people, almost to the point where you feel like, I'm going to receive, I receive that for my, like, I receive that and you too. can, like, yes. I just like, I, Lord, like do that in my spirit too. Yes. In that same way of sharing like that. I love, that is such a profound revelation that we can receive, that we can share in the joy that as one is restored, that we all can be restored. It also is the profoundness of when someone shares a testimony, mm. right? When they share a testimony and they testify to God's faithfulness in an area of their life, that's why there's almost like an environment created that others can walk in that freedom too. Mm. Like it's, that's the part of sharing 
in the joy of the inherit the rich inheritance of what God has done and also the importance of why we need to gather and we need to be a body like that we are a body together we can't do this and we were never meant to do this on our own in isolation it's also what we keep seeing over and over again in heartstrong right as we mm. gather together and then these words go forth and this truth from the word of god it's like we all get to receive in the rich joy and inheritance of what god's doing in individuals lives and so again that's i think that's our awakening moment for today honestly just that we would embrace the fullness of that and imagine if every single day, if we lived with the perspective, both interpersonally in our relationships, corporately when we're at church or in large gatherings or doing things like Heartstrong or Bible school or any kind of environments like life groups, if we can have this perspective that whatever God is doing for one, he actually is doing for all, that it doesn't have to be specific to you that you're seeing that specific situation, but you can receive in the joy of what God is doing in the collective we, because we are a body all together. Like if we can embrace Embrace that? Oh my goodness. I think that could revolutionize our joy. <laughs> Absolutely. I know this is like stirring us up because it's true. Like when we look at each other, we're like, we are in this together. This is a kingdom. The fullness of the joy of the kingdom of God. We're in it together as one happens for one. We all receive and we all celebrate and we all move together. Instead of looking like this is my territory, that this is actually a territory. This is my space. That's your space. There's no unity in this. The older brother yeah. is making a territory. Yeah. He's literally putting up a border and saying, yeah. this is all mine. Don't you dare come back and That's take right. what's mine. As opposed to the father's making in this invitation. into, In fact, the truth is actually none of it is his. <laughs> It's only his because of the grace of the father. The father's still alive. It all belongs to the father. Yeah. (laughs) All of it. (laughs) And he can do whatever he wants to it, you know? So again, that's the, that's the realization. Everything belongs to the father. He chooses to do what he wants to do, but we all are invited. We can, we all get an invitation to share in the joy, the rich joy of what it is that he's doing individually in the corporate and in the corporate we oh beautiful i know i I love that yeah that is cool so as we follow our king yeah may you know it is his joy great joy his great joy to bring us apart and to invite us into what he is doing in the kingdom because our king is on the move and we can follow our king and all of us can follow together because his heart is that we'd be invited as a body of Christ to do this together with him. Yes. And so take heart, hold fast to all that he has promised and grab hold today. Grab hold of that abundant joy and the, the invitation, the invitation into the corporate celebration of all that God has poured out, his rich inheritance for all of us. We celebrate, we celebrate you today. We celebrate all God is doing and we just pray for an outpouring, a fresh outpouring of joy over your heart and your life from the Father. Oh, love that. Have an awesome day, guys. We love you so much. Thank you for joining us today on the Awakening Moments podcast. We pray that you are filled with hope and joy as you navigate the challenges of life. And we would love for you to subscribe to this podcast or share it with your friends. And remember, you are so loved by God and he is always with you.